0: It's Friday, energy is high, and we're ready to dive in. I'm Shane Keel, Chief Edutainment Officer at Enrollify, and every other week, Mickey Baines and I will discuss how institutions can take high level strategies and tactics and implement them into their enrollment marketing strategy in a practical way. Grab your coffee, open your notes, it's time for Fanatical Fridays. episode fifty seven we're back. We're entering fall season. Well, we're, we're about to end end fall season and that's right. we're moving into winter. I just think of Thanksgiving as fall season. Fall season to me is like three weeks long. It's just part of November, mm, and that's it.
1: I definitely don't think that way Falls my favorite <laughs> season, although i uh, I very rarely get out other than when I get to go camping and I don't get to camp quite as much in the fall, but yeah, um, uh, I love the fall. I love the leaves, I love cooling off, although as we're recording this, I feel like it's 30 degrees outside. Yeah. Before Thanksgiving. Yes, I live in Pennsylvania. It does get a little colder in Pennsylvania than some places in the country, but before Thanksgiving to be 30 or below is not ideal for me.
0: All right. Before we jump in favorite Thanksgiving
1: side, you did not tell me we were talking about this. I I did not prepare. Uh, I got to spring
0: one on you at least every episode.
1: So um, I will say the sweet potato casserole. But yeah. it has to have the pecan brown sugar butter topping that you bake it in so it gets mm-hmm. crusty. Uh, I would say that would be my favorite. Awesome. Speaking
0: of foods, flavors, things that are tasty, it's you know, it's it gets exaggerated, I think every year by more and more days. But pumpkin spice latte season, um, you know, we're kind of in in the middle of it in the heart of it. And thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, the craze fall around pumpkin spice lattes why is there a craze? It's a seasonal thing. It's good. You could theoretically get it whenever you want, but it's only special when it's that season. So how do we take the pumpkin spice latte concept, the just obsession with it and turn something around in the student recruitment space that feels like a pumpkin spice latte? It's once a year, but it's people almost look forward to it even though, you know, it's kind of always available. You could get it if you wanted, but it's special because it's the time of year and it feels like it's supposed to be special.
1: So let, why don't we take a minute, just a minute longer. And let's talk about that part of it. What draws you into those single things that really hype it up? Because it's a, it's available September, October, November, December, January, and part of February. So it's available for almost half the year. Yeah. Raising my hand. I love the pumpkin spice latte. In fact, um, pre-pandemic, when I traveled all the time, um, you know, I, I I earned my gold level status as a Starbucks <laughs> member, and I earned it. Ninety percent of it is in the pumpkin spice latte season yeah. because that's what I go in order, uh, hmm. unless they're out, which sometimes happens, and you get I get a caramel macchiato, um, and so. But what makes that and, and the part of it is the idea that it's limited to mm-hmm. a very specific period in time that has a lot to it. I think that it's a flavor that ties into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps you look forward to starting season. A lot of people like fall. I I just said, I, this is my favorite season. A lot of people really like it. And so lead you starting it and leading into it helps you look forward to it. There's a lot of things you can do to help market and promote it. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I think that's key. I don't know what else in your mind stands out about that that draws people in.
0: Yeah, I, I think there is a, it's multifaceted, but it's, it's also become like the social component. Like everybody, once it's that season where it's fall, the second one leaf turns orange, I feel like I see my first pumpkin spice latte on mm-hmm. Instagram. Um, and I think it's one of those things that it's just, if you're not doing it, you're out of the crowd. Um, and it almost feels like uncomfortable to be like, "Eh, I don't really like it. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so people almost maybe just force themselves to have it and then they grow to like, and appreciate it. And so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, what's something that's super cool, unique and different, but it really just sets the tempo for Mm -hmm. a much longer period of time. You're rolling from fall into winter, um, you know, going out in winter isn't the best, but. You're sitting at home you know you're comfortable it's snowing outside you have a fire going it's just it's cozy um you're kind of teeing that up you're teeing up a really good experience and this is kind of the segue into that that teed up really awesome fun experience
1: um well I, i'll say the other thing that i that i'll point out about it you know you've got pumpkin spice latte yeah, it might be six months of the year but that doesn't mean there's not some other special drink that's rolling out or mm-hmm. drinks because yep. what's out now is the holiday drinks or the winter drinks, yeah, and so it it, it is seasonal of sorts. The drink availability might be open beyond that true season, but it kind of gives you something to drive. And and I think where, where we can segue this to higher ed is, you know, what are what what happens in your recruitment season? What are the yeah. phases of that season? And then what is your center point for that? Because I believe, and I haven't looked at the numbers. I should have looked at this before this call to, to see what what is Starbucks sales look like. Um, when that rolls out and what does the sales of that drink look like compared to the other sales in the store? Because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that makes the Starbucks experience special is that they are, you know, really KPI focused. Yeah. Um, and they, they look at those and that's the, the whole determination of when it starts and ends for that season is based on the performance of that drink uh, and other fall related items they are very special about it. So, you know, when you look at your, recruitment season, what are the big moments within that season that really impact conversion? Mm-hmm. And, and when we say conversion, we don't mean enrollment. We don't necessarily mean application. Conversion from that stage that a student may be in at that point in time in the season. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, I'm going to, I've got to grab something real quick and show you this. So in, in the old old days, seasonally, and there's, I say old days, schools still do it few too many do it. This is a dinner bell. Seasonally around August one, community colleges used to get the dinner bell out and say, you know, we're open. (laughs) It's August 1st. Everybody come on in and enroll. And they do that. And, And to an extent they do this because we have application days and you try to roll those out and you try not to have too many of them. And there are other events of those application days that you have that aren't really application days. But based on the season, it could be your financial aid day, those types of things. Now, that's not necessarily, hopefully, your, your only pumpkin spice. But there are certain things. And, and what I would say about those types of events is just having them at the right time
0: mm-hmm.
1: is important. So if you have a FAFSA day, come to campus. We're going to help you walk you through the FAFSA. When's the right time You should, should you be doing that? You know, Are you doing that before people have completed their taxes? Mm, I don't know if you should. Um, Right. How does that time? um, Are you going to do it the 13th of April? Because isn't tax day the 15th, right? So mm, I don't know if that's right. I can't tell you the exact right day. It's got to be right for you. And it's got to be right about what's going, what else is going on in campus. Determining when you have those and, you know, whether that's in person or virtual, you know, that's that I think is a part of it. The thinking about the timing. If you have a like to your institutions, they still like to have uh, these come on campus Inquire, apply, get advised, register, yep. enroll, pay, get it all done in one day. Yep. So many community college students are coming in local. That, that is a local thing. And so doing it in person still makes sense a lot of times. But determining when to do it, or if you have more than one, you know, are you doing it in the evening? Are you doing it? How do you rotate it? I can't tell you sometimes I see schools that are like, yeah, we we do this. Yeah. And it's and we do it on a Friday from nine to one. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you doing it on Friday, nine to one? Well, that's our slow day. 70% of your students are non traditional students. Are any of them working? Most most of them. Are they working from nine to one? <laughs> Maybe. Well, hmm. Well, yeah. Should we think about that? What are you doing to attract those? So, how do you expand your pumpkin spice to have pumpkin bread, pumpkin cookies? Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I've got a good friend of mine who's not listening to this cause he's not in any way related to higher ed, but he, he's adamantly opposed to anything pumpkin uh-huh. because of a lot to do with pumpkin spice latte. But, uh, and so he would really <laughs> gag at that thought, um, process, yeah. but, but, you know, how do we expand upon it? So, so I, that's not necessarily what I would say is my premier pumpkin spice example, but, but yeah. schools have those and some schools don't have a pumpkin spice example, um, and I, so I just want to say, hey, you can have one and just think about that in terms of the timing, thinking about in terms of uh, the frequency, how you build off of it to have related items. I think I use this as my example when we keyed up, uh, was it last episode or two episodes ago? We, we, we said we're going to be talking about this, and I gave an example. Uh, and so if you didn't hear it, I want to say go back and listen to that, but I'm just going to tell you anyway what I said. <laughs> I, I was overseeing a non-traditional student program. We had locations in Central and Southeastern Pennsylvania. We had some online stuff too. Um, But most of that time, most of that enrollment really was focused around in-class accelerated programs at the undergraduate level. We had some graduate stuff but at the undergraduate level. And so we created a premier event to bring the transfer advisors that worked with non-traditional students to our campus in the fall for because we saw the schools kind of doing this for traditional missions, they have a luncheon and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. We made a conference, made it a professional development conference, made it free um, so that we could talk about how to better advise and coach and support non-traditional students. Year one, we had like 35 or 40 people come in um, from like nine or maybe seven or eight community colleges. You know, five years after I left, still having that event 150 people on there, wow. 15, 20 community colleges. Uh, and and we didn't just at that point bring in community college advisors. We brought in faculty from those. Yeah. We brought in our faculty so the faculty could begin to network and, and meet each other, either, whether the full-time or adjuncts. Because our adjunct faculty wanted to know more and do better and, and improve. This was their professional development opportunity to learn from their colleagues at other institutions for those other institutions and those faculty members, because faculty still have an influence on the students when they're considering where to go, that they know. So what we were doing to invest in our faculty, to ensure that we were doing the right thing for our students, that effort, because so many of our students came from the community colleges, we did give value, but we also got value from that. Yeah. And so that was a mark. We spent marketing dollars on it. Um, I, I think, you know, early on it was five or six thousand. I'm sure it was probably around 10 by the time, maybe 15. But I don't know that there's a better return on that investment yeah. than having that event um, that really bought it. And, and you should see the evaluations, you know, and and at the time, you know, I was at an institution that started with the letter A. And I always joked with our team like we're going to be at the front of the filing cabinet when the student says, hey, where should I go? Um <laughs> But I want them to be more reason than that for us to be the first name that pops in their mind. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted, and I didn't want to do it just to be the first. I wanted to show value because of what how we cared and what our commitment was to the students yeah. and to the value of our program. I mean, if you if you aren't in a non traditional student higher ed, you may or may not recognize that sometimes those programs and the people working those programs feel like the stepchild. A campus, especially if you're tr- at a traditional more residentially focused institution, those programs were, were side were on the side because really the bread and butter yeah. uh, was was that liberal arts education or that four-year institution, that residential experience. And so to show these other institutions that if you're working with non-traditional students, we are an option. Yes, we have this residential thing, but look at what we're doing with this. That made a difference and that yeah. was by far became a pumpkin spice moment. Yeah. Um, I think as you I were saying earlier it. too, it's, it's
0: super important to have, you can't just serve pumpkin spice lattes. If you're Correct. a coffee shop that only has those, it's not special and it's not particularly interesting. Yes. Um, so you need to, and sales
1: things. in the spring are going to be pretty crappy. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, right. Exactly. Right. And so you need your regular coffee. You need, you know, in December, you need your peppermint mochas. You need yes. those other things that, there's some, you know, smaller hitters in there too that are that are uber successful. They're not the pumpkin spice latte, but you can't have five. That's just sure. not everybody has yep. their, you know, thing that's their kind yep. of bestseller. You can't have five. Equally bestsellers that are all record
1: breaking. It's too hard to invest that much effort right. to have five key things. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, and so like from our goals and strategies, I, I'm a I'm a person of three. So I like to have you know these are the three goals or three priorities in the coming year, and that event was not one of the goals. That event helped us achieve mm-hmm. s- some part of all three of those goals. Right all three of them, that's why that event was core of what we did because it helped in the recruitment side. It helped in the professional development and expansion of our faculty, right? It helped in our ability to better service students. You know, those, you know, if those are our three core elements, things we're focused on every year that achieved that,
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and, and I think one of our shining moments is, you know, I think my last year was our second or third year. My last year was like our Last year there was like our second or third year of the event. You know, to see the deans, VPs, and even a president of one of the institutions deciding to attend that event, yeah, was really important. Right. Like it showed that they saw value and to commit to their time to be there. Um, yeah. and in addition to that, and that that they because we didn't have a huge marketing campaign to draw people there, right? Their teams told them of the value, yeah, and that's why they attended.
2: Hey everybody, it's Zach from Enrollify here. So it's that time of year when your favorite brands release the best deals on your favorite products. And for the very first time, Enrollify is joining the party. So between now and the end of the year, you can get 50% off any Enrollify cohort or master course. Wanna learn more about how to leverage SEO for student recruitment? We've got a cohort on just that, led by the SEO wizards at the agency. Or are you ready to learn more about how schools are leveraging TikTok? Enroll in our self-paced TikTok strategy for higher ed cohort. Or perhaps you are finally ready to join 550 other higher ed marketers in enrolling in Terry Flannery's master course on how to market the university. Use the discount code EOY50, that's E-O-Y as in end of year, 50, for any of our asynchronous cohorts or E-O-Y as in end of year, for our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery between now and 12-31-22 to receive 50% off. You can learn more at enrollify.org. Happy holidays, everybody.
0: Both sides getting value out of it is just what, yes. again, it, it has that snowball effect when that's the case of every year you just pick up a couple more, pick up a couple more because your retention I imagine was probably really high for those events Um, because everybody, you know, each year is different and you're getting more connections, new connections. You're seeing new faces, old faces. It really is kind of that, like just let's keep building this thing, which I think is super awesome and kind of leads into, so mine is a little bit more of a theoretical I want to throw out. It is value on both sides. So I think this is a great segue, but one of the things I was thinking about was how, a school could almost host a let's call it a mock trial for people on their wait list. So they're going to let a hundred more students in and they have, you know, a day or a couple days or even some type of video submission essentially where you're pitching yourself to the school. So again, if you're having to do this, you're probably somebody that is on, like teetering on what they're looking for academically. GPA is, you know, a little below average, SAT is a little below average, you know, didn't take tons of APs Mm -hmm. right on the cusp. And so you think like, I I personally felt this way because I think this resonates with, you know, how I am. I'm much better in an interview than I am on paper. And so I want to be able to answer questions, show I can be dynamic. I have all these, you know, creative thoughts. I'm a critical thinker. How can I kind of pitch that to the school? So I feel like instantly for the institution, you have a hundred people that you provide this opportunity to. 50, take it. Well, you've weeded out 50 people, right? You want the people that are going to take the initiative and want to come to your school and they're going to go the extra mile for you. I think for the student, you get a chance to really show who you are, pitch your value. And if you do get accepted, it almost feels like nice. I won them over. Like they really loved me. I'm here because, you know, those people thought I was awesome. And I think you grow an affinity for the school. And then the school is getting people that are, you know, more qualified, they're people that are going to contribute a little bit more maybe to the community of the school um, or, you know, again, have a career. There's somebody that's just invested and maybe matured late. And so they're really going to come into their own in college and really, again, be a like an alumni that you're going to be really proud of and is mm-hmm. going to do something for you all because you kind of gave them maybe a different opportunity than, you know, write down why you're good. Show us your scores. It's It's very like, just look at me on the surface rather than let me kind of show you who I am. And I think that provides value on both sides, again, and builds that affinity for the school that you know is is super important all the way Mm -hmm. through and and even post
1: graduation. I I like that idea Um, for 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 several reasons. I I think it is kind of what you said. Um, You know, if you got a say, you've got ten spots, you got a hundred people for them, fifty show up, you know who's cared, and you know who not to spend time on. Uh, Because I'm always looking at you know what type of first party data do you have, data that you're not buying, Mm -hmm. um, that you have that help you identify who's really interested. And when we think of like third-party data and you're buying a list and you think of what that data is that you get, it's periphery information. It's Mm -hmm. just information that says maybe about what their interests are and and contact information. But what this type of first-party data give you uh, is here's someone who decides not to show up. If you're looking for a way to factor out people that are not interested and you say you're on a wait list, we're really interested in you. We'd love to invite you in so we can determine if we move you up. Yeah. You know, I think and they decide not to come, then they're not all that interested. Um, And I think that's important. So that what that data tells you about their intent, their interest. I'm also tempted, as you talk about that, to say, if I know I'm going to have 50 wait list spots and I've got 100 people on them. I might just say to get people there, 10 of those waitlist spots will be given out on the day. Yeah. Yeah. And super cool. Right. And that way, there's also more incentive for the student to right. say, I'm going to go all this and I still may not get in. Well, 10 of you are going to get in right away that day.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, because we want to talk about urgency. Mm hmm. And if you time it right, because timing is of, of importance as well, they're making decisions. They, meaning the students, are making decisions about where they want to enroll. So, from the institution, if I time it right, it's before they've committed somewhere else because of their disappointment and not being accepted with us. Right. And so, if I time that right and then put on the urgency to say, 10 people are getting in, that extra little incentive, um, they show up, they're more on their game to really show you who they are pretend sometimes they're all going to, you know, there's a salespeople in all of us, salesperson yeah. in all of us. Um, but we get that. And I think that's, you know, something I might throw out there to spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin spice. Nice. Maybe. Very nice. That took me half a second. Too yeah. long. <laughs> you know why? Dad joke right here. Um, I got to throw out a dad go. joke. Um, so I, I was able to slip it right in there. Uh, but no, that's, uh, I so I, I like those those components of it. Um, and so I think that's a, a really good idea. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, whether it's for everybody, if it's on specific programming, I mean, there's going to be some nuances to, to each institution, mm-hmm. um, that's thinking about it. But I, I really think that's something that folks could build on. Yeah. Right
0: yeah. Um, and I think, again, it's, it's something that it'll work for some schools and for others, you know, depending on how large your institution is, that might, mm-hmm. that number might be so large where you just don't have the resources to be able to make that kind yep. of thing happen. But if you're also that, that massive, that's probably less of a challenge for you than it is for mm-hmm. some of those smaller schools where, you could really benefit yep. from this. And the also the impact that one student is going to have on your community for those schools where it is yep. going to work out is going to be much larger. And it seems like it's way more worth the investment of time. Yep. Um, again, because pound per pound, that's just, it's such a huge lift to have somebody that's energetic, passionate, comes across as just like wanting and loving to be there rather than somebody who's like, I got in, I didn't get into my other school. I'm kind of reluctantly here because, you know, yep. mom and dad told me I have to go to college. And, you yep. know, that's, it's, great. They, your average GPA might be higher with that person, but that if that's really what you're after, you're, you're kind of chasing the wrong things.
1: So, so I'm going to segue into an idea that I had, but it connects to this that's and good. I didn't plan on it, obviously, cause I didn't know you were going to say, but <laughs> so I didn't want to connect. Um, and, and so I'm going to change. So, well, I guess my first spice day was, was connecting to other institutions. And so I, this next one is not about students still, it's about something else, but it's internal. So what can you do to entice Other faculty to be involved in the recruitment process. Mm, Love that. Um, I've had several conversations in the past, actually this week, uh, about my thoughts on faculty involvement in the recruitment process. Yeah, because there's a lot of thoughts to have about it. One is there are are faculty that are interested and want to be helpful. Um, two, um, some of the faculty do it begrudgingly. And there's a reason they do it begrudgingly, and it's because they don't understand the value and and they don't see the Mm -hmm. benefit from that. And sometimes it's because we're not thinking about what type of event or what type of way can I engage the faculty member so that they get the value out of it. And we also get something from it as well. Sharing in that uh, because they have an interest. Well, let me tie it to what your event is. Imagine that's a good way to get faculty involved because there's an opportunity because one of the things we always hear from faculty is, I don't know about the quality of students that admission teams bring bringing in. Yeah. How many times, have you, if, if you're in higher ed you have, and you're in admissions, you've heard that. If you're on the academic side, you've said that. Like, that's, that's okay. Yeah. That is a good question to have and to ask. What better way to be involved in recruitment and at the same time be involved in shaping that class mm-hmm. by looking at those students that we said maybe, but we're not so sure, you bring those students to campus let's get those faculty involved let them be some of the determining factors that make the decisions for those that day mm-hmm. you know let's let's say faculty the you five that are attending we appreciate your attendance you each get one pick of yeah. a person we're going to accept yeah now they may not want that that might be a little bit Too of pressure, pressure on them but still you know yeah. I think that's a great way to get them involved and have an impact on something that does matter to them mm-hmm um, and so so pumpkin spice moment, when we think about getting faculty involved, the timing. And the other thing I'd say about it, you know, how do you appreciate faculty and show them that what they did mattered and helped? Yeah. One of the things I've heard from faculty over the years that where they get frustrated is like, I'm always asked to help. I say I'm willing to help. And when I say I'm willing to help, they put me at a table at a fair and I've got three people that come up yeah. the whole day. You know, I get that because yeah. I can tell you. I'm happy that the fact, as an admissions person, I'm also often happy they're willing to help because then I don't have to. Right. Because I'm tired of having to do all that all the time. Yeah. Um, But that's not good for the faculty. That's not their job. Right. Uh, So finding other ways for them to engage. Sometimes I've had faculty uh, that have come up and said, hey, I want to help. You know, I'm willing to make some phone calls to prospective students. Oh, awesome. That's great. Um, But when you go check on the phone calls, A, you gave them a list of 10 people that called four Mm -hmm. or they called eight. Second, when do they call them? I, well, I, I call them between, I had a good hour between classes yesterday. Uh, so, Thursday between 12 and 2, you called prospective students. Where do you think they were between 12 and 2? Oh, they were in school. Oh, hmm. Was that the right time to, like,
0: yeah.
1: So, the way to ensure that you're getting shared value, because at the end, when they call those, like, nobody ever picks up. Yeah. Why am I calling? Right. Well, Well, yeah, they don't pick up. So, let's, let's, decide whether or not we should call. Second, you call them when they're at school. So that even if they wanted to, I don't know many yeah. schools that say, hey, kids, feel free to have your phones out on your desk. Yeah, yeah. Like Take there's no rules against at. it already, yeah. right? So, so like that's not the right way. So giving that information to faculty to say, you know what, Professor Smith, I think that's awesome that you want to call. Our students aren't picking up our calls. So I don't know why they would pick up yours. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's the best way. Can we work together to figure out the right way? Or if you're going to do it, I, I just want you to know, Professor Jones tried this. Yeah. And this is what Professor Jones and that didn't call. So can you do it in the evening? Would that be okay? Awesome. But I think fine for your pumpkin spice tie in here. How do you pull that together and collectively time it right yeah. so that it has the best value? I had a president who wanted to make phone calls to students. Well, how the hell do you pick out which students to call? The president says, I can call eight students a week for this month. Awesome. But I don't want that president making a phone call to, you know, because you're going to give them a list of eight. Yeah. Even if they call the right time, the students aren't picking up. So how do you make it worthwhile? Right. Well, that's a whole campaign you got to put into place. One of the things you're going to do is you got to be sure that students know that they're going to get a special call and they need to be around to get it. Mm -hmm. And that they're telling you, well, yeah, I can be around Tuesday night. Sure. How do you build that into a campaign that's still a little bit of one-to-one? And then how do you pick which of the right students to call? Maybe it's students you're trying to get in your honors program. Maybe it's students you want to follow up with that attended this um, waitlist event. And the president wants to personally call and accept them. Yeah. And so taking an idea and turning it into a pumpkin spice moment. It, it requires being at the right time, make, making it of high value and like it's a special thing. So how do you pull that together? So bringing those faculty members together, providing value to them is providing value and it's making it extra special. It's making it, turning it into a pumpkin spice moment for them. It may not be core to what you do, but it's core to their experience and they look forward to it because that's yeah. part of it, right? right? Making them look forward to it. So that was yeah. one of my ideas.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think too why... Why that's great, and what we hear a lot is you know, um faculty want to get involved, but faculty aren't marketers, so they don't mm-hmm. really know how to get involved and they want like, hey, point the gun for me and I'll pull the trigger type of thing um that can just be tough, especially when you're trying to handle your own marketing campaigns and and you know doing all this stuff and so I think going back to kind of the original idea there of you know hosting these kind of like mock trial session things is. Ideally, if they're picking out students, um, if they want to be involved, I think they would be willing to pick out students. I think that's yeah. just part of the criteria. They come, they show up, they're maybe even picking students for the programs you know, that they're applying for that are in line with mm-hmm. what they teach, you know, who they're involved with. And I think why that kind of, it again, they don't often see the return, right? So if they do help out, if they do call and they call Johnny, who's in another program or whatever, and it's like, okay, Johnny ended up enrolling, but you have no idea, Johnny. So you feel like you wasted your time, but you didn't. Um, whereas if they kind of say like, yes, I want this person, you know, Mickey was amazing. His presentation was great. His grades are lower than, you know, Zach's. Um, but he's way more dynamic of a student. He's somebody I want in my classroom. Like we're a Socratic seminar style. He's going to fit in perfectly here. Um, and so I think that also builds kind of an initial relationship between you and that professor. Hey, this professor just accepted you on the spot. You're going to see them in class the first Mm -hmm. semester, you kind of already have that, like, Oh, nice. I'm so excited to chat with X. And I, you already feel kind of like part of the school. And I think that's, you know, some of the hard things for freshmen, um, you know, beyond just meeting up with with friends, your own age, is establishing relationships with professors in your, in your major, um, and feeling comfortable asking questions, doing those things. Whereas you kind of already built one, at least that you can kind of work off of um, that I think again, helps with that retention helps, you know, they almost become an, an advisor of sorts because you kind of have that special bond. And I think that would be, you know, super cool, particularly again, for those maybe smaller institutions where the classrooms are smaller and you really, you get to know your professors well. If you, you know, put in a little bit of that effort mm-hmm. and the professor yeah. feels like that was worth my time because now Mickey's yeah. in my class and Mickey's great. Yeah.
1: I like where you're going with that. Um, I think that taking that effort and that planning to that extra little detail to talk about, you know, that professor perspective student relationship, even that it's starting to build there and thinking about that as, as a moment. So if that's key and critical to you, how does that get formed through an event like this? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think we all know when you start to develop that relationship with, with a student as an institution. And when I say as an institution, it could be the admissions counselor, it could be the faculty member, it could be, Someone they met with on campus for a campus tour. When you start to develop that, that builds that affinity and that desire and attraction to the institution with that prospective student. So, if if a part of that is the faculty to prospective student relationship, you know, physically meeting and spending time together on on an event like that. and I say physically, it could be virtual.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but in, in a real live moment maybe that is a great way to do it. And so knowing that core to what you do is relationships. Which I think we all say mm-hmm. we do. But if that really is at core uh, in what you do, how do you embed that into the event yeah. to ensure that you're achieving that? And to me, like to me, I, I like to talk about alignment. How do we get all this together? Taking a moment and a core principle of what we do of relationships and ensuring that that is a part of this event. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons we do it yep. to identify the right students that are on the cusp, but also to start building that relationship so that. They don't. They lose that disappointment they felt when they got a waitlist letter.
0: Yeah,
1: we're flipping it right back around because in a customer service world, I say it takes ten positives to yeah. offset one negative. Yeah. Well, I don't. It doesn't always have to take ten positives. It's got to be a lot of effort, mm-hmm. and coming to campus and building that relationship is a big effort. That is a big way to change that negative opinion, or feeling you got when you got waitlisted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, I'm always thinking of how do we, how does this tie together and how do we make this the best we can? And yeah. that is one of those things when you said that just really rung true for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it's what, what too is it's, it's like, well, it's, it's, you know, you're waitlisted, but you still have an opportunity. Like we want you to succeed. We want you to come here. We yep. need you to kind of like, you know, prove it to us and not in that, a like, you know, sell your soul so that you're exactly what we want out of a student. But giving them that opportunity, I think is just it It lightens the blow a little bit. And then if things don't work out, I think it's a little less like, oh, no, gut wrenching. Like sure. you just you kind of don't hear back. It just, it fizzles out rather than this hard like, nah, it's not going to work out for us, um, which I think is, is great for both parties, too, because I'm sure it can be hard, you know, denying students, especially when you do build a relationship and you really like this person but they're just not a good fit for your institution. Um, And I feel like, you know, you can almost use that opportunity to be like, hey, you know, I don't think you're going to end up being a good fit here for X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z reasons. Like, academically, this is, I think, going to be too challenging for you. Or, you know, you're interested in these Mm -hmm. things. We don't really do that really well. I recommend you actually do X, do Y. Go to community college and go take these courses Mm -hmm. instead, and then maybe you can come here. Or... Just there's another institution for you, and I, and I think schools should be okay and comfortable with being transparent about when they might not be a good fit mm-hmm. for a student um, and directing them somewhere else. I know everybody has numbers they want to hit, but it's just not. I think it's a bad look for an institution just to try and make it work for every single student when they're not necessarily mm-hmm. a good fit. And how do you do what's you know right by the student first? And if it works out for you, that's that's a win-win. But I think that's you know it's a big mentality shift, and it, it's tough in times when numbers are low and you're getting a lot of pressure, but. Uh, i think the institutions that start to take that rough approach you know will see
1: a lot of long-term success i've got one more idea that i want to throw out there and it's and it's and it's it's a niche idea it's really very niche but this is for an art school i have in mind okay But I was reflecting back i i got to spend a year working at an art school uh, i was a undergrad theater major so it's part of me so I'm just thinking, like, if we had some, and I, and I and I don't like that my ideas are very event focused. So I'll, I'll say that I'll come down on myself a little bit for that. But this one is an event, uh, and it's not necessarily the event. It's what you might do inside of the event to make it even more special. But let's just say we we've got an event, um, an applicant, applicant applicant's day or accepting student day,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we're bringing them in in the spring. What if we had a film set set up on campus, and we, as part of that process, it could be even almost like part of orientation. We put students together and they create their own film. And then we film it and they get to have that experience on that same film set. I think, you know, you, you talk about a moment where a, you're starting to build those bonds with those students. Yeah, um, You're letting them get involved. And that doesn't mean like you've got only performers. You've got to have somebody behind the camera. Mm-hmm. You got to have somebody directing it. You got to have people in front of the camera acting. Like yeah. you could build, you know, say you've got a hundred kids coming in. What if you had three groups? You might only have 15 kids. Yeah, You might have two groups, you know, and you create, your own script as part of the fun of the day and you get to make that film. Yeah. Um, And you might have an undergraduate student doing their internship or taking a film course where they have to then take what's filmed and edit it as part of their assignment. Yeah. Um, You know, and then you give those students back uh, over the summer. We were trying to prevent melt over the summer. Hey, we edited your film. Check this out. This was, this was you. Yeah. I think that, you know, I'm looking for ways to engage people to get them further bought in. And it's that extra special moment. I yeah. think that'd be a blast Yeah. Um, for kids doing something. Like yeah. That.
0: And I think, I mean, that's why students go to schools where their friends go so often because it's, you know, the, the thought of going to school, you know, nobody is a little daunting as a, you know, 17, mm-hmm. 18 year old kid. And so if you're getting this almost like team building activities, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's like, wow, that was really fun. I really like those people. I could totally see myself here versus yep. like, oh, I'm just going to apply to these other schools oh, it's a better school doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best school for you. Um, yeah. And I feel like that, you know, that idea really gives you a sense of like, all right, was that fun? Did I enjoy that? Did I enjoy those people? And again, yeah. back to my earlier point, if you didn't enjoy it, don't go, like it's not going to be wildly different when you're in school. Yeah. And it, you now you know that was definitely worth your time. Yeah. Um, well, And, yeah, and for the idea. accepted
1: student day, this is in my mind for like the time of the, of the year of doing that, because you could do that over or in like an orientation period yeah. too, right? Um, I think that's great to do orientation. The reason I picked Accepted Student Day, something you have in the spring, because then you're going back to school on Monday, and the friends and are like, "What'd you do this weekend?" I shot a movie. Yeah, that's a great buzz that's happening right there. So right. Um, I just think you know, there's there's a lot of outcomes that you get from that yeah. um, that really bring the student in, and then also start to spread the word of how fun and how cool that oh, event yeah. was. Have your editors controls. go
0: make trailers and use those as marketing material.
1: That's easy. Yeah. yeah.
0: You yeah. could do that a hundred things with that. That's yeah. yeah. So brilliant. Awesome.
1: No, I, I think we've got a few, uh, I think we have a few special drinks we just created.
0: Yeah. There we go. We can sell them to Starbucks, see how much they'll pay for them. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, and, and
1: maybe if nothing else, it means sponsor the show. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. There we go. We'll take that. Free pumpkin <laughs> spice for us. Yes. Um, awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks everybody for listening.
1: Yep. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey, all Zach from Enrollify here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts.